0: Hey everybody, how you doing? This is your host, Jeremy. Just giving you heads up, this is the second part of our conversation with Adam and Andy from Cosmic Monkey Comics. This half has everything from conversations about, ooh, philosophies about running a store that's family-friendly, certain obscure SNL sketches, uh, more than a few references to pro wrestling and Roddy Roddy Piper's stand-up career, and a thousand other things stay tuned uh, i think you'll enjoy it. this one's a bit looser than the previous one still has the a uh, little bit of an audio problem with my own mic and a little bit of a crackle but i think you'll uh i think you'll be be okay with it hi i'm jeremy i'm a dork living in portland oregon who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative this is my attempt to rectify that to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person And speaking of changing production techniques, as are there we any were. as we were, is there any particular are there any particular, I guess Amusing anecdotes you can uh, you can relate to about you know particular memories you can relate to about running a shop in Portland, being either strange, call it like strange customer interactions to um, what's kind of a thing where uh, you know maybe. Let's just say you, both you're running a retail space in a changing city, but also the particular kind of uh, genre of retail space you're running, you have you have to have at least something memorable and or humorous to relate, if possible. If not, we'll go back to talking about pennies.
1: Most of our strange incidences are, I mean, you always get odd, some odd people in, but most strange incidences are more from distributors than from <laughs> than uh, the actual clientele. Really. Yeah, Adam could. I mean, we well, have like, seen like, a
2: shift like... from um, the collector to the reader, and mm. uh, but we may have a different perspective because we've focused on um, nurturing the uh, family business and making a place for parents to bring their kids and feel good about it. Right, which uh, focuses on the reader mentality versus the collector mentality because we don't care if kids grab a comic, carry it around the store, scrunch it up, put it back, because they loved it for a moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of stores are focused on you got to keep stuff in great condition for the collector because the condition is more important than the interior
1: Some content. stores will just beg and and uh, board every book as it goes out, so you can't even flip through them. they just want to keep that book in a pristine condition and... comics are so visual you really it's hard and they're changing so often you really need to be able to look through them to figure out if it's really going to connect with you to if you're going to like it
2: yeah and we we've made a conscious choice to focus on the content rather than the collectability of the books or the graphic novels or whatever it is that kids are picking up or humans adults are picking
0: up
1: and that's kind of a luxury for us right? I mean, the industry has changed so much in the last,
0: yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was going to say and we cuz we talked about you 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 guys having your start in the during the chromium era, <laughs> aka the collector era, which is I guess yeah, that's when I started. I I my first buying my first what if comics uh in like March of 1990 or so. Um do, do uh, is is the is thanks to the uh, the influence of culture enough that you're you can run your business in a way that allows that lets you emphasize the family the more welcoming family more welcoming to um, to new readers rather than it's kind of like as they say you know one of the things that that contributed to the downfall of comics in the '90s the uh, the, the hyper focusing on just the collector market.
2: Yeah, speculators are completely to blame for the bust cycle of the 90s, and but also uh, Marvel Comics is completely to blame because they bought a small distributor, Hero's World. In the,
0: oh God, that? that was called Hero's World, wasn't it? Yes, yeah.
2: that was a distributor, that was a very small distributor that uh, Marvel Comics bought thinking, hey, you distributors, Capital, Diamond... You're not giving us our fair cut because, as the speculators left the market in droves, right, and sales fell dramatically. Yeah, like nothing we've ever seen.
0: Half-assed attempts at
2: since vertical
1: monopolies. The fifties, uh, really. Some stores actually. <laughs> some literally. smaller stores had to pick which distributor. They couldn't afford to get both distributors. That's and. true.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah,
2: between uh, between. Uh... And the numbers literally fell from the millions to the tens of thousands. So a a a decline historically not seen since the 50s. And so Marvel Comics, run by Ron Perlman, not. The famous actor? Oh, and it's the, no, it's not. No, not the same guy. It was another guy oh. who happened to be a uh, <laughs> corporate raider who was famous before that for that's soap not why sales. they call him the Beast. No, no, this is somehow unrelated. Actually, I I, um, I kind of want to yeah, live so in a world was where famous for his uh, Revlon behavior mm. as a uh, corporate CEO of Revlon. He took over Marvel and he was like, "No, our sales are not declining. You distributors are the problem." So they bought a small distributor, decided we're going to handle our own distribution exclusively, turned out they didn't know what they were doing. The distributor could not handle national distribution. Things went very bad very fast and the market lost 80% of its sales. Mm-hmm. That quick. Every distributor went bankrupt except for Diamond because they had established a, an exclusive distribution deal with DC, Dark Horse, Fanographics, Image. It, made, yeah. it was a, still a fledgling company at that point. And uh, as a result... Uh, Things went really
1: sour. Who did Capital have? I remember them having Tundra, and I can't remember who else. Maybe
2: that was it. But then within a year...
1: Maybe Kitchen Sink was part of Tundra. I think Kitchen Sink and Tundra, that was exclusive. I can't remember who else they would have. Marvel
2: went bankrupt. Heroes World folded. Marvel had to go back to Diamond, who was the only distributor still standing, Twenty years later, we are still left with the same distribution model. And if you think about TV, movies, the internet—if you went back to how things were in the twenty, 20 years ago—that seems crazy. Like, who would do that? That's insane. During that's their how contracts, are uh,
1: that's why. If you ever look at previews, the catalog from uh, Diamond Comics that mm-hmm. lists five thousand items, you have to go through every month to uh, figure out whether you're going to order it or get it from your retailer. And the retailer has to figure out if they're going to order them. But the uh, part of the original contracts were uh, Dark Horse always... I don't know if they got... Well, DC is always on... It's a flip book. And so DC always gets one cover. And then Dark Horse, maybe every other month, gets one cover. And Image, The uh, every other month, gets the other cover. And so Marvel had to start producing their own uh catalog i i just think this is interesting but maybe no one listening to this one <laughs> hey are you talking to someone who collected it i had
0: what for four five years i collected marvel age oh yeah. they're in-house uh-huh. um letter catalog uh letter call uh uh comic you know little like cartoon outputs interview mag like the parents that they're in-house industrial mag was the only
1: way you can see fred hembeck yeah i was gonna time. say
0: it's yeah how much do you, <laughs> one of these someone needs to find fred hembeck and ask him how much uh you know how <laughs> what did how did marvel age contribute uh contribute to him being you know you know doing being able to do that in comics for so for so many years so that's uh
2: um it's uh, he was an inspiration to a lot of people, <laughs> Fred Hembeck <laughs> A name unknown to most people in the world but uh very well known to a lot of people on the inside of
0: comics. He's a hero. Oh yeah. Um in fact, still out there, still doing one. I think you will you'll still see his stuff whenever Marvel puts out comedy books. All oh, the kids in Springfield are little SOBs.
1: Have either of you guys ever read any books Gabo. about uh sugar or weight loss?
0: Uh yes and yes. Well my I uh, see I mean, I even got a copy out of um oh god who wrote it but well, let's uh, take it back to Bob Mould, sugar. Yeah, there you go. It, the yeah, the uh, era time. Yeah, the era where uh, the era the pretty much the era where I think Bob Mould lost he had to have lost to have like finally lost a significant portion of his hearing because once you go past Beister and like that's kind of when his sound starts changing and his singing starts changing, along with I think you know rapid you know both him coming out and his rapid rapid weight loss, where he went from tubby, uh, you know tubby indie rock dude to pre bodybuilder just emaciated bald dude, and um, yeah, Beasters a good album. Copper Blue is also good, but I think Beaster has Beaster has Tilted, which is probably the greatest uh, the greatest Sugar song ever. Um, it's funny I saw him
2: perform as Sugar, but I didn't remember any of the songs. But I remember thinking he was great.
0: It was a great I, show. My both my brother and I got to meet him when he played in Royal Oak in '02 and got photos with him. So you have me asking him, I asking him dork ass, like guitar, guitar nerd questions. And then my brother being there with his, like my brother's early aughts long, um, like surfer long, kind of like parted down the middle, like surfer dude, post collegiate hair. It's good times, but no, but I bring up, I bring up pro wrestling and nerd stuff because it's a thing where, again, um, as, uh, as the election year, the campaign year of 2016 has pointed out, that having a fun, having a knowledge of how pro wrestling the, the functional aspects of like what role it plays in um and like what fu- you know how how does it function that you know deconstructing it from a uh what's the how, what's the guy's name barthes bart was it roland Barthes? it was a, 70, uh, a 1970s french philosopher who wrote about pro wrestling and but i bring him up because of he was he he, 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 aware helped, of that. he helped provide an intellectual door Towards that that um later on, and we talked about Mark Marin when Mark Maron first interviewed his first pro wrestler, which I believe was Colt Cabana, another podcaster slash comedy pro wrestler mark of course in his in his right in his run up does a standard um not equivocating but certainly uh just going through the the his neuroses for interviewing a guest, but he actually talks about you know reading Barthes well mark's interview with roland Barthes. roland Barthes. but um but he actually wrote about just how pro pro wrestling functions and like i said having a having an under- you know you don't have to be a fan of it but having an understanding of how it works of you are watching live action in fact I'm, when there is uh i mean we live in portland a very storied city in the annals of of north american pro wrestling this is where um among many other things, like, I mean, hell, Roddy Piper lived here, you know, had a, had a I believe had an, had an auto garage in Beaverton until he died. He would do, um, I think he would, you know, he even had a uh, kind of a stand-up storytelling, you know, nascent career where he would do, where he would, you know, he would book nights just telling stories up on stage.
1: God, I was in this arena and this promoter, Mike LaBelle, his name was, and he's screaming at me because... Back then, and I was uh, a main event when I was 19, and he said to me, he says, Hi Rod, you know, tomorrow you're wrestling Victor Bear. You know, I don't give a damn. I'll wrestle anybody. Some hairy Russian guy, I'll wrestle him, you betcha. I come bouncing up the stairs after a rather vigorous hangover. <laughs> and as I turn the corner, bear in front of me was a 650 pound bear his name wasn't victor bear it was victor the
0: bear even a couple downtown but he definitely did in other cities it's one of the things i wish i would have seen oh, wow um yeah i missed that but um i bring it up because of there was still when i first moved here my uh you know didn't i only had a couple of internet friends here but didn't really know too many people and one of my main social outlets was this thing called Wrestling Church on Sunday nights at Billy Ray's Neighborhood Dive. Uh, loca- still there on the corner on uh, on, oh, it's on MLK? Yeah, it's on which where Grand and MOK meets just a couple blocks north of that. red
1: two story.
2: Yeah, yeah. the bar that the, the bar uh, that took a block from Portland Cable Access. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: just south of it between. Yeah. Um, between uh, the AT&T shop and where the straight blast gem used to be and where dunes used to be. Um, Across the street. Yeah. not and
2: down t- from where dunes used to be.
0: Yeah. Around the corner from, uh, you know, just out around the corner oh, from. Many uh, from folks remember the dunes. Only one in there. Only one in there once. I,
1: I saw Jason Levy and do a DJ thing there one night. You were there that night?
2: Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I don't remember. What did you do? Tw- I got pictures of that. Huh.
0: Yeah, more so than the um, Doug Fur. The was
2: there for a few years. A lot of stuff happened there.
0: Yeah, more so than the Doug Fur. Uh, Dunes always struck me as like being like the, one of the most concentrated or distilled hipster spaces in like all of Portland because they, they had plenty of chairs there, but the chairs were mounted ten feet off the ground up and, uh, against the wall. The only night that I went there was to go see. Um, they were originally called Bible of the Devil. No, not Bible of the Devil. Different group. Um, Dagger of the Mind. Who changed their name to Who changed their name to the Metal Shakespeare Company, which were these like these reedy kids from the college who did um new wave or British heavy metal tunes, dressed in Elizabethan garb.
1: And I
0: I just remember that because of like. In wow. in like in like mid aughts in in the mid aughts like what scene um I don't know it's like whatever metal thing was going on just but here I think I encountered them because they were I was at the Nell one night and you just hear them coming through and they're playing like from like like I said I think they were like covering Iron Maiden or something and it was just excellent they played at Dunes and it, this was a place where. The soundboard. Remember, it's a bar where it's like, yeah, we can. Have, we'll, have, we'll put a stage in the corner. The soundboard was mm-hmm. nailed. To, it was nailed up on the wall, like against the wall, flat. And it was a thing where I don't even think that, that night, the, the like someone had just set up mics, adjusted the sounds, and then just left. And the bar. So the bar. You know, the only staffer was just a single bartender. And I'm like, hey, um, I used to be a sound guy. Can I? Uh, can I run sound for these guys tonight? And the guy's like, sure, whatever. so the Night goes on. Yeah, the Dunes was a shit show. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it gets worse. In so many ways. Oh, it gets oh, yeah. worse. As the night goes on, bartender drops either a tumbler, a glass tumbler, or you yeah, just drops a glass, slashes his hand very, very badly, is now bleeding over everything, goes into the bathroom, is now bleeding all over the men's room and using toilet paper to bandage up his thing. So the... Yes, um, do. I'm running sound... For the band, just kind of like, you know, just doing little mini, you know, for like half ass half-drunk sound adjustments. But bartenders in there, it works. And people are coming to the bar and asking me like, "Hey," because the uh, the soundboard is on the same wall as the side of the uh, the side of you know where you would walk through the little barrier to get behind the bar space. People are asking me it's like, "Hey, can you give me another beer?" And the the bartenders, you know, so to look back and look in there, and he has a couple friends in there, and they were. They were waiting for a replacement bartender to show up, and like one of their friends had taken. They are talking about, well, should we just go to the ER? Or what? I'm like, yes, dude, go for the, you know. The Legacy is right, you know, Legacy Emanuel is like, a, is like half a yeah. mile that way. Go there.
2: The best ER in Portland is right down the street.
0: Yeah. And
2: um,
1: actually, there's two ERs in Portland. That, that That's a level one ER, and also HSU has a level one ER. Those are the two. Yeah. If you have a head injury, those are the two ERs you want to go to.
2: Right. But you want to go to Eastmoreland. Or uh, Legacy Manual, sorry, Eastmoreland's a whole other hand, that uh, the hospital isn't there anymore. You go to Legacy Manual because that is not a teaching hospital. You go to OHSU and that is a teaching hospital, so you have students operating on you.
1: Also, Legacy Manual is a lot closer to this exact situation, so that is where you'd want to go to. Both, oh,
0: yes. both, yeah, both uh, Northeast Portland, um, stand- so at some point, so the the at one point the guy totally just the, nice yeah they man. they dude's friend finally shows he leaves no bartender bands are playing I'm running sound and at one point another guy comes up he's like dude hey uh, you know I'm a bartender should I just run bar asking me a guy unaffiliated with the bar but just working the right, soundboard right near out. the bar certainly go right ahead so he goes over he starts taking cash pouring drinks. And uh, you know, and you know, pulling, um, you know, pulling. So uh, this is someone from the crowd. This is yes, oh, yes. This know. was it. I had no idea who the, no idea who the hell this was. Do what? Whatever. Dunes was a shit show. Yeah, and then at one point, oh, a replacement okay. bartender finally shows up, and starts taking over everything And at one point, just says like, "I'm sorry, dude. I just, uh, you know, freaks out at me. He's like I can't have you back here. You're, you know, you're freaking me out too much because I see you in my peripheral vision. My like, dude, I just I'm you? Just, yeah, he said no. this to me because I'm because like I am. Can't I'm like to the far end holding it down. I'm to the far end, just like just like playing with. Just, just fiddling with, fiddling with, um, with levels, trying to make because at that point Dagger of the Mind we were playing their tunes. Like I said, in again, you know, young kid, young 20-somethings in Elizabethan garb, playing, uh, pretty, playing new wave of British heavy metal stuff on stage, and it was great. But it was a thing where the guy just freaking out of me, and like kind of like pretty much boot kicked me out of Running Sound. It was a thing where it's like, well, after this place, it's you know, it's kinda, I got, uh, I kind of got ticked off enough, enough, uh, ticked off enough, at the treatment, the fact that there was still blood everywhere, and um, the uh, and just overall vibe was like no hell of it. And so I just left halfway through the show and just went home. So that is my that's that's the story of my one trip to Dunes. <laughs> the, Dune yeah, the Dunes story. The Dunes on um, what this would have been t- t- close to uh, <laughs> close to Northeast Broadway and MOK years ago.
1: Isn't there? A, I think on 82nd there's an apartment complex or hotel called The Dunes there is like around right little north of Powell. yeah around. famous for not being a good place to stay all the other hotels on 82nd are really great yeah, I was saying, yeah, they, yeah.
2: They, everyone they, they has no bed bugs yeah or such a sterling. stains or
1: other yeah.
0: stuff illicit activities know, yeah. so yeah it's sterling wow. reputations up and down that street just businessmen and uh, traveling salesmen and families on their way to something better that's how it goes in the world but i bring this back to anyway bro i brought up the <laughs> i told you that story to tell you this one which i think is a uh either george carlin or a bill cosby line um let's go the, george carlin yeah yeah this is <laughs> they both had yeah, they both had quite the history with drugs only on different ends of them I, um, it
1: might have been bill cosby i was i was asleep when he said it oh
2: dun 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 some people take drugs some people give other people drugs
0: yeah distributor versus con, uh versus consumer
1: wow the sit vicious the the guitarist that was that wasn't his bass player either. well uh, yeah he okay. was a bass player sorry what about him? He oh, that, What was his wrestling? real name? That wasn't his real name, though. I it? think Bob Vila was his real name. Because I think in the movie, they said, like, the Sid came from acid or something. <laughs> Did they make some sort of, like, pun about that Could in the be. Sid and Vicious Sid uh, Nancy movie?
2: I think Bob Vila chose his name based on him and then fixed houses because he wanted to be a counterpoint to the self-destructive generation of punk rock. It's like, hey, guys, why don't you take uh have a sense of self-respect and fix up your environment rather than just shitting on everything and talking he crap, ended up being
1: know. the most self-destructive uh, renovator of them all though yeah with his... he, uh... john simon ritchie that was that's sid vicious's r- real name yeah
0: aka john beverly uh,
2: john beverly yes we all know Now, yeah, what
0: is johnny Lydon? his real name john Lydon, yes Which is why when he was in the middle of lawsuits and fighting with Malcolm McLaurin in the early 80s, why he switched his name back to John Lydon during the uh, PIL era. It's all a rich tapestry. Right, back to comics. (laughs) Um, And back to comics. All comics are just soap opera
1: wrestling fights. There was a Sex Pistols comic, just so everyone out there knows that yeah there's
0: certainly there's certainly been several and (laughs) anyone wants to know more about that yeah was
2: about uh, the reproduction of flowers as we all should be very familiar with because flowers are everywhere and natural reproduction is what
0: got us all here right birds some music helped flowers do it birds do it bees Mm -hmm. do it even flowers and trees do it or however that that they do it with bees yeah and as
2: bees have now entered the endangered species list let's get back to comics I think they're actually off of it.
0: Because, I, think, uh, I think the got... bee. Yeah. You know, that's the, the, one of the best message board topics I I remember reading 10, 12 years ago is, uh, what will colony collapse disorder, how will colony collapse disorder affect the Wu-Tang killer bees? Wow.
2: Anyway. The Wu-Tang killer bees? Killer bees,
0: yeah. Well,
2: the Method Man was in the Luke Cage series recently. Oh, wow. Should was the, the Red Man there too? On. No. Oh, Rats. No, nah, he was just a, a customer in a convenience store that was getting robbed, and then Luke Cage comes in, and uh, spoilers! No, don't
0: don't spoil Luke Cage. We haven't... We, uh, I still have to... Uh, this won't air for two to three years, so it's we'll be fine. okay. <laughs> well, I say this is me personally, have not have have, have yet to watch it. I, I, actually, I, shit, I still need to see Jessica Jones, or technically any Marvel Netflix show, but I haven't watched any of them yet. You
1: haven't watched Daredevil, either?
0: No, I haven't watched Daredevil. Although I hear, I hear many, many good things about their Punisher.
1: Mm-hmm. The Punisher was good. Uh, the, the only one I've seen all the way through is Jessica Jones. I really enjoyed it. It was
2: pretty great. A good happy ending. Uh, What's-his-face from
0: Doctor Who? Speaking of... David Tennant. Yeah, David Tennant um, as the Purple Man. I'm kind of... How much...
1: Doc- Dr. Tennant. I don't think they ever no called ever Purple him Purple Man in that, though. I think they just... Uh, whatever. I forget his character's name.
2: Oh, that's a good question. How uh, how explicit was
0: how, uh how how explicitly did they uh I want to say allude to the Bendis plot bits of Bendis in fact later not exactly bragging about certainly talking about how he figured out a way how to work in, you know, uh an anal sex panel into a Marvel comic. I'm curious like how much did they uh did they I,
2: don't remember that anal sex panel but it was not in the cartoon or the uh, show (laughs) that uh, was a real life action show although uh, it feels like a cartoon when you watch it
0: in the uh, i think they definitely they had an anal sex scene or at least it was certainly appeared to it in the hbo spawn cartoon uh of the late 90s to bring it back Hmm. to the spawn era but it's a uh,
1: somehow if we could redirect this entire podcast to just talking about the history of anal sex in comics I think that would be a really great segue. Well, that well never... the whole history of comics, basically <laughs> uh, from the well, business side, from the publishers. side. Yeah. well, you, you you did have that that Marvel yeah, slash Star like
0: Comics, it. you know, adaptation <laughs> of David Lynch's Crash for kids, which had a very cartoonish. Uh, Deborah care Deborah, Deborah, Deborah Kerr Deborah Kerr Unger. That's her name, the actress's name. Um, uh, she what was she a supporting cast on Wings or something? No, she. Did you ever see Chris? Yes, with Wings lately? <laughs> you and you and your Crystal Bernard slash Tim Daly slash fic, uh Yes, you know. it's
1: only Marvel in the eighties did a lot of movie adaptions like Blade Runner and Return of the Jedi and Deliverance was one of the less. Popular ones, but they definitely had a uh, some, some anal yeah. um, scenes in that illustrated that was a comic. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> illustrated was by a, illustri- an original graphic novel. Illust- Yeah, illustrated yeah. by
0: uh, you know done by Gil Kane and Rob Thomas. Very odd. <sighs> uh, Rob Thomas, who was
2: a uh, Frank uh, or uh, Burt Reynolds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, somehow
2: I want to work Frank Stallone into this, but uh, mostly just because I've been listening to the recent Norm Macdonald book on tape, on uh, which isn't on tape. It's on. Uh, bits
0: ones and zeros digital it's on audio it's on audiobook which is audiobooks which yeah. covers
2: all
1: the uh, media
0: we have lost control ladies and gentlemen we are now referring to both uh frank stallone and anal sex
1: was rob thomas in that band the 3am was... i must be lonely oh
0: no i'm thinking of i'm thinking of roy thomas yeah uh, okay, right. okay you no know, roy... rob
1: thomas is he
2: was in uh always sunny in philadelphia in um. the uh oh, the uh dennis Reynolds' erotic journals episode.
0: Uh, 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 the show that also uh, featured also had at least two uh, two episodes with uh, with uh, the co star of Roddy Roddy Piper.
2: Yes, Roddy Piper showed up twice and always sunny in Philadelphia.
1: I had a Which weird. It's the greatest uh, comic adapted
2: <clears throat> TV show of all time.
1: I had a weird voicemail on my phone today. I, I just noticed I had a voicemail. And Play it. It was from a Washington, D.C. number. I was like, oh, that's weird. And as so I listened to it, <laughs> it's Danny DeVito. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, it's so weird. Play it. Danny DeVito. Yep.
0: Yeah. I guess well, because do I work... you, Do you have a headphone jack? I can, I can run it either play through your mic or I can
2: I can put it, run I got an audio o- not, I got an aux jack. It's not great. It's because I work at
0: actors.
1: I work at UPS grinders. and It's for it's like a recording of him saying a Teamster thing, but uh Oh, uh, Danny
2: DeVito was, is doing a Teamster like political as uh, a voicemail. Oh wow.
0: Yeah. Was he what, what is it? this is like a like a a a a, 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 a delayed reference to the film Hoffa that he can, like he directed.
1: DeVito, I'm calling on behalf of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters to urge you to vote in the election of your international union officer. Anti-labor politicians and employers are attacking working families ac- across our great nation. Sure so in are. your election for the officers, is an important way to show that you support your union in the fight to stop the war on workers. The ballot was mailed to your home on October 6th. Please take a few minutes to complete the ballot and mail it back. Postage is prepaid. Remember, your vote counts. Thank you. For more information,
0: visit w. Man, wow! <laughs>
2: I thought I loved Danny DeVito before hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, who
0: knew Frank had a minute had it had why, it in him?
2: Why wouldn't he just run for president? Because he's got better things to do. I'm sure he's well, Danny uh, DeVito. He's uh, got. Yeah, you got
0: to remember. I think real Perman has more than a few stories that would probably sink his uh, his candidacy. So. <laughs>
1: Well, my daughter loves "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." She she's never seen Taxi or or Batman Two or, or so,
0: Jewel or Jewel of the Nile,
1: Batman Two or War of the Roses. Oh, but, yeah, to bring it back to comics, Danny DeVito. But, uh, yes. but it's, she was excited. I I, I was like, "Hey, Tay, I just got a voicemail from Danny DeVito," and she's oh, like, "Man, what?" She, I think she posted on Facebook. She lost her mind. Danny wow. DeVito had already had
2: like one of the best, <laughs> varied. Like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. excellent careers. Again, I have in a TV film I have not movies. seen. <laughs> and then his character on Always Sunny has just catapulted him into the upper echelon of all movie stars for all time.
1: But at what cost?
2: At what cost? It cost him his marriage. It cost him five minutes of his time. What are you talking about? His marriage? You know, eighty minutes, whatever, however many minutes he spent filming those episodes. But he has definitely made the world a better place. He's made us all better people for witnessing his excellence. And I'll go on the record. All right. Dramatic stance, because I love unions. I love Danny DeVito,
1: <laughs>
2: and I love Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
0: It would be only proper if Danny DeVito helped spearhead, or at least uh, brought credence to the uh, the <laughs> as hopefully. And I, and I roll my eyes at this because like, God knows what the prospects are, as hopefully a a, uh, a modern I don't know modern uh, leftist movement. You know, slowly becomes reawakened in this country, and hopefully, a drive toward reunification happens. Yeah, you know, it'd be, um, it would be, it would be nice and and humorous to have him as, you know, as a uh, as a a uh, leading voice. If it, you know, even if it is literally only a voice.
1: He well, when Bernie was uh, running, he came out. He introduced Bernie at one of the rallies, and we're seeing a, a video of that. It was really great, actually. Hmm. Okay,
2: I find it interesting in uh, a brief commentary about political values in comics. Uh, comics have mostly always promoted liberal values and what would be considered left-leaning values. But those values are and- what constitutes uh, the cornerstone and the foundation of American values. Um, right-leaning values are not the values of the general public. They're not the values that uh, generally uh, characterize what we consider American values, what we consider positive values
0: uh, values
2: of freedom and
0: uh, just people being able to do what they want to do but uh, yeah but it, but in in what form the the kicker is that well not only are there exceptions to the rule like you get again um, like as because even like as george Lakoff wrote a book called who's freedom you know going trying to deconstruct the uses of that particular word um, freedom becomes a thing where you start getting into say Steve Ditko territory and his particular, um, attitudes about, you know, freedom or in that case, freedom as license to do whatever. Yeah.
2: Well, if and, you want to get into the, uh, objectivist epistemology views of Ayn Rand, then, saying, do you uh, want to, you,
0: do you want to bring uh latter day yeah, Frank Miller into this Social too?
2: Security. Um, a woman who, you know, basically did not live her life by the values that she promoted. And, uh, articulated publicly many times, as would be the case for probably most right-leaning politicians or public speakers. Um, I don't know about Steve Ditko himself, but uh, when you talk about freedom, I mean, that's always within the context of civilized standards and values, where you don't go pee on people in public. You don't uh, steal their clothes while they're walking around. Just basic human dignity issues, I believe. I don't know. Maybe I'm going crazy, but... Did Steve Ditko steal anyone's clothes or pee on anyone in public? I don't think so. Um, did the publicly stated values that he promoted? But honestly, as uh, he is
0: very much associated with Ayn Rand in the '60s. Oh no, yeah, uh, no, it, it, the point where one of his his sole creation <laughs> showed up showed up in in a goddamn in goddamn Watchmen in a very veiled, well, not very, but in a slightly veiled form. And there are plenty and there were more than a few uh, more than a few modern folks who picked that 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 very thinly veiled Mr. A character characterization that showed up in Watchmen as like the, the their favorite or prime character from Watchmen, be it, you know, film or comic. But I think we are getting off track Which from character is that.
1: He's talking about Rorschach, Rorschach, which is actually based off the question. Which yeah, the question he, I should say. Yeah. Which was... Well, you, but, but that also wasn't his sole character.
0: No, it wasn't. But, but Rorschach was both the question, but it was also... no Mr. A. Mr. Mr. Like A, A yeah, yeah. Which was, yeah. Well, Mr. A, which was the question with more explicit... It was more uh, extreme. Yeah, more extreme, but also more the explicit. Max version. Yeah. <laughs> the Max version, yeah, yeah because it... Yeah. I, I don't think... I'm trying to remember. I think... I'm trying to remember if I actually read any because yeah, Max was very much. That's the thing. So like,
1: they did a really good Punisher. Jason Aaron and Garth Ennis did a couple of really good Punisher runs under the Max imprint. But Jessica but, Jones or Alias was part of the Max imprint.
0: I just remember like like Black Widow Max, where she, like she was blonde, a pre uh, a blonde pre Scarlett Johansson oh. Black Widow, which I'm guessing was like sexual. sexual that's the thing that was that was the, the the early aughts era of Marvel where I did not. um you know, I was still, like, regularly reading comics, not as much, but, you know, at least still, like, going to Vault of Midnight and all the other, like, Ann Arbor shops, because I didn't, because I was still in, I was still in Ann Arbor until about 04, but um I remember, yeah, Max was a thing that I just didn't, like, um like, Ultimate X-Men, or, in fact, any of the Ultimate, I never, I don't think I ever got any of the Ultimate books. That was a
1: part of the Max. You know,
0: either the, the oh, sorry, I am confusing both Max and Ultimate, but sure, sure. but but either one. I never I never purchased any of the Max or the Ultimate series. That's Max especially. Both those, I I did have the, which I don't think I don't think it was a Max series. I think I think wasn't Garth Ennis's Punisher.
1: It originally started as Marvel Knight. So yeah, I then think it came back as an edgier Max. Years. Ago, okay,
0: because yeah, going back to our earlier talking about Marvel Knights, because I remember yeah the the supernatural natural supernatural um, you know flat <laughs> f- um bringing it back to rob thomas um you know and his matchbox 20 um carlos santana yeah. uh multi-platinum selling single um yeah i never again it was just during that dark era well not the dark era but certainly it was definitely the dark era of marvel and dc um
1: for me that's when marvel started turning around and actually getting good again was Marvel Knights, and then later on some of the Max stuff, and
0: what the uh what the the uh during the the was it Bill James era or the guy's No, the name no, was? it
1: was when the uh, when um Casada. Yeah, I was gonna say it was
0: yeah, you know, or when Casada yeah, was a, a signing
2: early era because he still well, It wasn't right just the him show. at the
1: beginning; it was him and Palamati took over those first four titles, and then after that, Palamati left, like after a year or so Yeah, he went to DC. Oh, he and his Palmiati. wife Pauliotti. Pauliotti
2: it's his name, and uh yeah, Palmiati. they they cooperated on a lot of books but quesada well, was after, the editor-in-chief he was the publisher
0: yeah yeah miotti has yeah. been doing I think both what both he and his completely. wife yeah he and his wife they, they split to dc for while. and i think somewhere because i can remember seeing um both uh quesada and palmiati both speak at uh i think i think, I, I think I, uh, at some point I, somewhere i have like even like signed books from them from motor city you know early 90s motor city comic cons so hmm
2: yeah, he's a strong writer. Palmiotti is uh he was a great. I feel like he did some good art at some As point. In, well, maybe he, I feel. Maybe well, he was an, I thought something. he was
0: an inker, more an inker more than an artist.
2: But yeah, but he's mostly been a writer for the last fifteen, twenty years, and yeah. that's where his—that's um, what he's mostly done. And he's worked with Justin Gray on been a lot a of Amanda series, Connor. and the, um, well, they yeah, did that. With with Jonah the Amanda he- Connor, Jonah Hex, they did right. for a really long. But time, Justin Gray too. has been his writing partner for many years, yeah, and true, yeah. together they've done a lot of really great books
0: and i just realized and some strong books both of them can't have a cameo in a kevin smith film to uh, bring that back full circle in, uh, <sighs> in in chasing amy a film that i saw debuted in ann arbor at the state theater with a not a not a uh, uh bespectacled non um clean shaven you know so seen kevin seen kevin smith's with uh, without facial hair very yeah. weird and non-baseball cap wearing, um, you know, just visage helping to promote chasing Amy there, and I can remember that audience where at least the manager and the the main popular manager of the local comic shop, again Dave's Comics too, was in the audience and just talking, you know, asking comics questions to Kevin Smith and uh, other people in the audience pointed out, oh, by the way, you know, he, you know, this guy manages the greatest comic shop in all of Ann Arbor, you know, um. Uh, and Kevin Smith's like, "Well, why? You want me to come by your shop and buy some stuff?" And uh, Joe, the manager, saying, "Well, you know, it's we're we're two blocks that way. So if you want, sure." But anyway, so yeah, huh. comics within comics. What are you gonna do? That sounds
2: like a lot of passive aggressive back and forth between uh, comics lovers. It was night, picked, it was 1990s. Uh, Smith, judging by comic book man, I don't think he likes comic books. I've heard about his secret stash. It it
0: hey, he <laughs> he he kept it open for years. You know, I'd both.
2: I feel like the clerk's cartoon was better than the movie.
1: Was Casada? Were you saying was he was Casada in uh, Chasing Amy? Is that what? You're yes, the,
0: you remember because Chasing Amy has at least once it has I think scenes both at the beginning and at the end because it you ha- know you know the you know, cause the, the two oh, parts. Jason
1: Lee's character was a comic artist. Very
0: much so. well as is as is as is uh, Bafflex. Oh okay. Oh, that's Bafli Jesus Christ it was pay way too much attention to the internet um beginning part of the film and the later part of the film, like I said they take both place take place at comic conventions and the the uh the last bit of the film where it's kind of you know the year later or however long later, but yeah, there's one point there's a table where like Joe Cassata is and I think uh Palmiati is there too, uh, so okay. Uh, and <laughs> leading back to the previously mentioned Maw Rats, which also had, um, you know, the which Jason Lee's character was the comic book fan who uh, luckily runs into Stan Lee at a mall. They
1: had but, some good, uh, some of those those early Oni uh, Kevin Smith comics were pretty enjoyable. Very much so. They had some really good talent. Duncan Fergrado did did the art for, uh, I don't know if I said his name, Fergrado, Fergrado
0: i know i I think yeah i think the the combination of just kevin smith writing the jokes and jim mafood mafood oh, ah. yeah he did oh. doing the art which yeah. is like, like um you know the perfect combination of of art and i can remember the clerk's holiday special where um i think uh jay talks to santa and gets his wish and he just looks at it in his hand because santa gives it to him and says i got some weebles and you know so celebratory it's said it, it's one of those things where it's a uh a perfect match between the two.
1: I don't think those are in print anymore. I wouldn't. No, I don't think so. They did
2: a collection of all of them, but I don't, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah.
1: Uh, image eventually did a recollection of them, but I think I don't think that's available anymore either. Image. I'm always interested in what goes in and out of print over time.
0: That no, which is that's true because it's kind of well that does is a great indicator as to like what people are actually interested in Yeah, and
1: or and... an indicator of
2: what editors and publishers believe will be popular for a minute.
0: Right. Because but we've there never there
2: are tons of books. There are tons of properties that are highly in demand. That are out of print and going for huge amounts of money on Amazon and I th- eBay.
1: I think we still have those Oni collections and for cover price at the shop, and no one's bought yeah. them, and no one's come in asking for oh, them. Oh, <laughs> actually,
0: that is reminding me of because like I look over in my bookshelf and realizing a book that I still have yet to eBay.
2: What's this? The New Mutants. What? Holy shit!
1: Yeah, you shouldn't throw that. Be careful with these
0: because <laughs> like yeah i do have still have my copies of new mutants 98 deadpool number yes. one and x-force number two i believe like the first three the first certainly the first two and like the first three uh appearances of deadpool which we're running for a good we're we're running for a c-note on the uh they probably uh, still are this yeah. new mutants 98 will probably get you 200 dollars from the right person wow I wonder if, but do I have to go through eBay to do it, or could I just do it up through – if I can do it through Craigslist. Yeah, you could do it we could Craigslist. do it at the next Frankenstein's Comic Swap, probably. You could do that. That's true. Because
2: I know we sold one uh, – we had an uh, exhibitor sell a New Mutants 98 for $20 <laughs> last time. And he was uh, quite he, surprised to find out he could have gotten a hundred
0: dollars plus for that book. He was also still happy to get the twenty too. <laughs>
1: That's true. Yeah, it's, uh, the he was uh, like the, I think I paid a buck for it, so I, I don't care.
0: Or <laughs> a dollar Four, twenty-five. Yeah. The other thing I have from uh, from Billy Galaxy, I think a a Dukes of Hazard uh, LCD <laughs> well, watch. See. Yeah, the Dukes of
2: Hazard watch. way. I'll give you two hundred for this. of <laughs> that, <laughs> that is uh, that
0: is I got from a, I believe a trivia contest answering um a trivia contest from um from oh God, this, i believe this was the for the portland retro gaming expo uh some years back they did an event with um a local bur the local burlesque troupe at the star theater that night and they're like well, who wants to answer trivia questions and of course me i'm like having a couple in me i'm like hell, hell yeah i'll do it and i won i won a question up, you know, when they asked what was the official name of Mortal Kombat 3 and me having spent uh, at least the summer of 95 watching my idiot friends play that stupid game. And the, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is the era where downloading facts and move lists off the off of uh, Usenet to uh, print out on your uh, on your on your dot matrix printers and the you know, you know people would sell those facts uh, you know at the uh, at the arcade but i got the i got the question right and made both the uh got this watch as a prize as well as some uh hot pepper vodka which really was what, hot.
1: what was the answer
0: something like ultimate ultimate mortal combat 3 oh, something like that but it's the oh, kind of ultimate. thing where I, w- I was
1: hoping it was gonna be a duke's the hazard question I would, oh no no i was like i i know i know i know
0: what were what were what were the replacement uh, what were the replacement Dukes of uh, Hazard?
1: What were their names? Yes, what were the oh, first God. names? That was oh, their man. cousins. It yeah, was the I remember first cousins? Uh, I'll, I'll start the timer. Uh, Joe and Fluke. Oh, no
2: man, I was trying to work in some uh, joke about uh, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson.
1: There's a great doing uh, that
2: movie, but that was the uh, Streets of San Francisco. So that was Starts and Hutch. Yeah, yeah, the Starts <laughs> and Hutch thing. Yeah, yeah. Not the Streets of San Francisco. <laughs> ah, I even bungled that. He's going to try and tie that into the Interstellar Martian fiasco from earlier. Well, who,
1: who was in the Who was in the Duke Savage movie? That was uh, the guy from Jackass. It was. Uh,
2: oh yeah, Johnny Knoxville and. Uh, I
1: forgot the other guy's name.
0: Uh, Bernadette like, Peters, something. I think. The uh, oh, Andy Kaufman? So, no. Yeah, that's the thing is they, they. I still think they cast the. Wasn't it I like it was Johnny the cast of Heart beeps. Oh, I remember. Oh, Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters. Yeah. Um, if I ever get a tattoo, best. I
1: don't have any tattoos. This is going to be a, these two cop cars crashing into each other, and the Dukes and the and the General, General Lee jumping over it. Joe oh my God! And Andy Kaufman's that. driving one, and Bernadette Peters is driving the other. <laughs> yeah, it's and like,
0: and like I mean you don't
2: saying something like number. You, five you is mentioned alive
0: yeah, you mentioned the soft mic, but we. You know, we really, we re- you know, we we disagreed. We really don't think you sh- you really should follow through on your plan to get a huge uh, stars and bars flag across your full back, saying the South will rise again. No, um, that's you know, I mean, we know you're really passionate about that, but that's probably not the best idea. That's probably order. why I said
1: it off mic. Yeah.
2: Well, his pet name for his junk is the South,
0: and he's really hoping that things turn around. But there are yeah, there are pharmaceutical distributors who can
1: that distributors who can help you at with a that. Family friendly blue joke. When uh, I pull out my junk That's why I say Look away Look away <laughs> <laughs> I know you are referencing something I don't know a song Look, look away, away Dixieland Yeah look away Dixieland <laughs> uh, um, Dixie. i say i say, I'll say, say okay.
2: sir what? Again uh, Did you just call The whole of the south Your junk <laughs> What
0: The whole of the south Is what It's what's the informal name of uh, uh, You finished that joke yourself So you, know, you You do not uh, remember It all the, takes
2: me back To the battle of New Orleans I'll show
0: you my whole of the south <laughs> Yeah there you go talk about going south um so you don't remember the name of the replacement duke boys no uh, wikipedia answered my question which i was on the tip of my memory coy and vance Oh wow! when, oh, when you get when you get into contract contract argument contract disputes with your major american tv network they will replace you with characters named coy and vance for like a season or two that
1: looks strangely like you yeah they came back for you the know. sixth season but it was never the same yeah, yeah. what did they yeah yeah they came back wow. they were like That's oh all... yeah
0: yeah they, yeah they did they said the uh they were out of town they came back and it's um it's what uh it's then what...
1: like 10 years later there was what a, year was, a was movie. that movie was a whole other movie that came this out
0: is early 80s this is whatever know, 82 83 84 whatever
2: right because that must coincide with the year i started drinking <laughs>
1: Because, because those years, remember.
2: I didn't miss SNL those years. I watched it, but I did not keep watching Dukes of Hazard.
0: So you watched the Ebersol years of uh, of SNL. Oh, yeah. Yet you did not watch the Coin Vance years of Dukes no. of Hazard. That man, that's I, no. you know, I I thought I had screwed up priorities, but damn, if that's um... did
1: you lose interest in uh, different strokes when they brought the younger children in, the younger, cuter? children just...
0: the, the trope of the uh, the younger yeah. the, the cousin you know, oliver of the I show
2: fully transferred over to facts of life at that point and i was like that's this is what i'm into now
1: well in the facts of life you would take the good and you would take the bad yeah where it's different strokes
2: it's like yeah i don't know it's all phew, i got two hands i don't know
0: i think what was the what was the trivia bit about facts of life is that um mindy Cohn, the heavy facts of life member was the first to lose virginity oh, uh yeah. you know in universe i make of that what you will it's just like i said it's got well, is it why, george clooney that quiet pause was all us considering <laughs> this situation like, yeah oh
2: joe before joe even really
0: uh, joe had to go to prison first and then uh oh, you know Trudy went to take
1: out for skates yeah oh oh hmm
0: the, uh, the the and uh, then, uh, the her as pro oh, as proto roller girl. I think Blair yeah.
1: was the actor to play Blair was actually really upset about that storyline. More than likely, do because you know, she was very like Christian. Or yeah,
0: something. no, yeah, yeah the, uh, uh, what Lisa Winchell, I think her name is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah is now yeah. like full on not well, full on not I'm so not not, not just Christian be, again. It's, <laughs> it's the thing I always try to point out. You know, the difference between Christian and evangelical is the difference between say the Simpsons and the Flanderses. Mm. Uh, whereas Lisa Winchell was full on like. Like somewhere between evangelical and the fundy, like, hmm. uh, like Kirk Cameron era hmm. of um, being that politically loud and that particularly, um, you know, tribal. Ricky Schroeder.
2: I feel like the difference between Christian and evangelical is Christians are like, let's be good, you guys. And evangelicals are like, thou shalt not kill unless I don't like you. And then yeah. I set you on fire and then generate revenue based on that.
0: That's something like that. It's, it's a, a little we well, see yeah, 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 I got to work the, on that. The take right that I took is that um, it is, at some point, it is um, being far more interested in the battle standard of your country, no matter what the battle standard is. And uh, after, after the fourth century, when the empire's official religion became Christianity, thanks to Constantine and everybody after him. They were oh, Constantine. Uh, were far more, yeah, you know, John Constantine got around and, you know,
1: time traveled. Yeah,
0: bringing it
2: back to Swamp Thing number 37.
0: Exactly.
1: I think it's actually pronounced Constantine.
2: It might be. Constantinople? Istanbul?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Whatever, you know, whatever the disagreement is, I just hope they can, they can make a tiny tune sketch out of it. And bring it all back
2: and hold hands and And... sing together with the children of the world. Hmm. Peace on Earth. Uh, I was trying to reference that Steve Martin skit on SNL when he's, uh, if I had one wish, it would be for all the children of the world to sing in peace and harmony.
1: If I had one wish that I could wish this holiday season, it would be that all the children of the world to join hands and sing together in a spirit of harmony and peace. If I had two wishes that I could
0: make this holiday season first would be for all the children of the world to join hands
2: and sing in a spirit of harmony and peace and the second would be for 30 million dollars a month to be given to me if i had two, two wishes One hundred million forty-seven
0: thousand yes 100 million 47 yes. thousand dollars <laughs> tax-free de- de- delivered to de- me revenge by. on my enemies yes <laughs> oh yes and it's the
2: uh, second snl of the season tonight. forget
1: about the children it would be so hard to get them together the same forget <laughs> that, that children thing. yeah that's <laughs> too much for you yes.
2: wait a minute maybe that sex
1: thing should be the first wish so if i made that the first wish you know because it could all go boom tomorrow then what do you got you know no no the kids the kids singing would be great that that would be nice but wait a minute who am i kidding i mean they're not going to be able to get all those kids together i mean the logistics of the thing it's impossible more trouble than it's worth
0: the, uh, the with the yeah the the pre yeah the still Lauren Michaels pre Dick Ebersol years of uh, of early SNL before you know before the dark times before yeah the, you
2: know I can't remember if it was the uh, one of it was the first uh, Lauren Michaels years or the Ebersol the Gene. Uh, um just, oh god i can't gene aubergenian no it's
0: oh, i can't like it, 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 it begins coin, with G. coin vance yeah the coin vance yeah, hey there we go <laughs> the, yes. vance years. the coin well, the coin funny. vance years it's gene um oh, hang on it's like, i think gene snl
2: yeah the uh there was a skit where they're interviewing Jean, children
0: Jean Mani, um dumanian dumanian yeah. dumanian okay snl I
2: saw was just one year I believe, and Gene Domanian was the th- other three. No, I think G- I think, um, or maybe they were both together for all four. I don't know. You can yeah, check it out and find the real answer. It's but, it's uh, the
0: dark side that was early. You know, it was six years before I would watch. You know, it happened six years, six or seven years before I would watch SNL on the regular. So,
2: and it was exactly five years after the show started. Lorne Michaels had five years, and then he got fired, and they did four years of the other folks, whoever Dick Erbassol, Gene Demanian, uh, mix and match, and then then Lorne Michaels came back. But somewhere in that first nine years, there's a skit where they're asking, they're interviewing kids on the street about Christmas. I'm here at Rockefeller Center to find out what Christmas means to children. And they interview a little, like, eight-year-old girl, and she's saying, I don't like Christmas. It's just too commercial. And they're just selling presents.
0: Thank you, Lucy Van Pelt. Yeah. It
2: was perfect and beautiful and still relevant today.
1: It's a major headache. Stores
0: are crowded, and this trap. Traffic- so commercialized. I was in Macy's a few months ago, and they already had the Christmas decorations
1: up. It has no
2: religious significance. The people are just out to make a buck. It'll be more relevant every day after today. Tomorrow and every
0: tomorrow after tomorrow do you, do you remember that um one of the weirdest things norm MacDonald came from canadian sketch comedy and actually had his own show and uh is probably related in norm MacDonald's book as you mentioned was that uh one of the one of the edges that he got that he had that got him cast on snl was that he being a uh, young canadian um grew up watching norm uh you know norm's show not Norm, um,
2: <laughs> Lauren. Lauren. Lawrence. Uh, no,
0: Lauren. Yeah. Not Norm. It all mixes up. But you talk about he deliberately referenced Lauren's sh- uh, sketch comedy show that like started in like the late, let's like nineteen sixty eight, nineteen sixty nine. If you can find, you look, you look up Lauren Michaels' Canadian sketch TV, and you can see pictures of, of Lauren Michaels with like a Beatles haircut and like um, a Fu Manchu and like a, this Nehru jacket. It's really it's disturbing to see Lauren Michaels to see pre. pre- SNL like long black hair you know before he went young man before he went full-on Dr. Evil and speaking of Dr. Evil uh, do you guys have any recommendations Uh, we're going to switch into the recommendations segment of this of the show recommendations uh, for folks to check out of either new titles or particular films that you think need to have attention or you know new records or anything
2: my favorite graphic novel so far this year is The Longest Day of the Future by a somewhat new artist by Lu- called uh, Lucas Varela is his name. It's his first English published work, but he's had a few works come out in the uh, Spanish and French markets. Um, it's a wordless graphic novel, but it is a thing of beauty. It's a sci-fi novel. It's uh, somewhat uh, postmodern, nihilistic, um, but it's a beautiful uh, work of art. That, uh, the colors are fantastic. It's one of those comics that uh, really showcases how colors can make or break hmm. a piece. Uh, the colors really do a splendid job of differentiating the background from the foreground and just bringing everything into focus that cool. needs to be, because there are no words yeah. in Ooh. the book, and it's fantastic. Lucas Ferrella, Longest Day of the Future, Fanagraphics. Fanagraphics,
0: okay, yeah, so Fanagraphics.
2: Yeah, Fanagraphics has done a great job of publishing... Incredible foreign works for the English-speaking market. The Eternat is another book that came out last fall, but went out of print pretty quick and was out of print for quite a few months, but is uh, the work of... Um, Esther Hold is the last name of the guy. I can't remember his first names because he goes by initials, and so does his collaborator on this book, uh, F. Solano Lopez. Um, the Eternat is a Argentine... Comic that came out in the uh, 70s and.
0: Uh, Sounds like a H- thing.
2: H.G. Esterhold was a very uh, politically active comic artist and writer, and he was disappeared along with several members of his family in the 70s, which um, we may remember there was a movie, I believe, called The Disappeared from the 80s that was about some South American country where people just who were opponents of the regime just disappeared. And that's how they dealt with, uh, like, uh, people... Political agitators. Yeah, agitators, opponents, opposition. They just took people and made them go away forever.
1: Mm. A couple other international... Phantographic ones that they do. Jason is a really great. And, uh, oh,
0: uh how's that, is that spelled? Just what? J A S O N?
1: Jason, just... Jason okay. yeah. He's got a whole lot of books. Uh, most of them I think are
2: still available.
1: Um, put those uh, the, out. Most...
2: The newest one was a year and a half ago, but yeah, Jason's work. Is a, He's a Norwegian artist mm. and writer. He's a writer-artist combo, and his books are fantastic. They hold up over time.
0: I've read his stuff. I'm trying the to remember. Tardy what his
2: Tardy his Jack, yeah. Jacques was,
1: Tardy books, too. Yeah, Jacques Tardy. He's
2: done uh, quite a number. Uh, New York Mon Amour, uh, War, You Bastard, uh, La Guerre, Puta Guerra.
1: The first thing I ever saw, had The Roach Killer. Did you ever see that? Not before it was fanographic. It was like an old Catlin uh trade paperback that came out about
2: catalan was a publisher from a few years back that did a lot of uh, foreign works a lot of the european and south american comics hold up over decades they're uh, they have a higher standard for their books they treat them more like books whereas mm-hmm. uh, in american comics the market is more geared towards the monthly superhero stories although Pulse. that's we've seen a uh, Pretty dramatic shift in the market in the last five years with image putting out a lot of creator-owned work a lot of graphic novel stuff is coming out a lot of graphic novel series that are outselling the uh, single issue works and
1: they're way more diversified for genres Mm -hmm. like they're not they're doing a lot of sci-fi which has been really lacking in a lot of other publishers yeah
2: a lot of sci-fi a lot of crime a lot of uh, police procedural a lot of thriller a lot of suspense uk
0: euro influence
2: yeah yeah Um, just basically where they treat comics as if it's a book market where you're just like oh let's just have a comic about anything you can imagine
0: right it's a storytelling medium rather than a a genre so in other words uh book rather than pulp uh business model and or um
2: yeah yeah if you consider pulp as the uh, sort of uh disposable throwaway uh, gutter literature well not just, just like well, not it's just a, a gutter. fun thing to read but when you read it 10 years later you're like oh this uh embodies everything bad about that time period yeah it's more like these are books that embody everything good about the time period it's like when you when you look at history there's always those people who will say well don't judge this guy from 200 years ago by today's standards because it was normal then to be a horrible person
0: um which which technically is true
2: It's sort of true that it was normal
0: to be horrible, but in every
2: time period, you'll find huge numbers of people who are like, "Hey, let's stop being horrible, everybody! Why don't we all be good to each other?" And then most people are like, "Well, Well, we'll it costs money or takes energy. Let's crucify that guy. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) get out. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Is like,
0: yeah, that's the thing about you know, longing for the past. The past is like this. The or
2: purpley, it's uh, most likely because our picture of the past is mostly uh, informed by the literature and the media that was created by the very tiny, tiny percentage of people that had access to right. resources in order to write a book and have it published and remembered a hundred years later, rather than the great bulk Legan of humanity mm-hmm. who were all like, hey, stop being shitty to me.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, the, like, I've the...
2: got money. Why do I have to not be shitty to you? Go live in your hut.
0: A lot of uh, a lot of personal philosophies have come out That's in this I episode, but it's like also the past was like this. You know, at some point, yeah, the, the past was, was as has been remarked elsewhere, the past was this endless, let's just say, endless racist ass shit show, horror show of an existence right, for his- uh, a history. lot of uh, a lot of lot of people.
2: Yeah, our histories are of the monarchies, not of the peasants who lived fascinating, varied lives. And we're the ninety five percent of the population around the world, but we learn about the kings. And, and they're, they're, I would
0: say ninety nine percent, but yeah, yeah,
2: ninety nine point nine percent, ninety nine point nine 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 percent.
0: Indeed, so there's not
1: enough Rosencrantz
2: and Gildesterns out there. No,
0: well, Tim Roth can only star in so many pictures in Blaze. If only
1: did Fantagraphics put out Black Sad? No, that's Dark dark Horse. Dark, Horse, dark, Horse dark Horse recently, but before that, it was. what Was it? Was there another English? I don't of think. I, of course, they did the big, done Black Sad. Did they do the thinner ones?
2: Um, IBooks the, was the Ibooks, first was English it. publisher yeah, yeah, to yeah, do yeah, Black yeah. Sad, right. and they yeah. did soft cover, oversized versions, and those went out of print quickly, and are um, they fetch a high dollar on the back issue market and the uh, secondary market. But uh, Dark Horse is the current publisher of Black Sad, and uh, Black Sad is easily one of the best comics of all time.
0: Black Sad is my recommendation uh, for in the theme of. Let's just say originally foreign language comics. Black Sad is, call it um, Disney inspired, certainly Disney fueled, but it's like you have anthropomorphic a, uh, animals. In this case, Black Sad is a. Panther? Uh, no, no, Black Cat. Black uh, Tomcat. Almost like a jaguar. tuxedo cat. A There's tuxedo there. cat version because it's in an in, in anthropomorphic animal world. Yeah, it's a,
2: anthropomorphic crime noir. Yeah, it's crime noir. yeah, crime noir. Straight-up 30s era.
0: Yeah, very much oh, wow. so, like, you know, to, you know, uh, this, uh, this, this private eye in, in the trench coat, um, investigating the, you know, just dark dealings of, uh, these other people, the people being, of course, anthropomorphized animals. It's, the art they're phenomenal. Though. Yeah, the I art is phenomenal. It, it, it very much not for kids, especially when, like, Black Sad is, like, observing, uh you know, observing um, you know, a couple of his marks or targets full on, like just getting it on inside of a bedroom and like, wow, you don't think you you know, you never seen Disney, you know, Disney anthropomorphic characters uh you know taking it that way. Jesus yeah, wow
2: that ostrich and walrus are really getting into it.
0: Yeah. Um you know and like just imagine the chafing. Um it's like I said there are at least three yeah at least three black sad um Hardcover, I think, just trades and hardcovers that have been put out over the last couple of years. For, um, yeah,
2: there. right now there are four different volumes in print. The first okay, volume four. collects the first three stories. There's mm-hmm. six stories altogether. Right. Now, the first volume is a collection of the first three. And then there's three other separate individual stories that have come out about a year and a half apart over the last six years, five or so.
0: Excellent. And there you go. Like I said, check out Black Sad. Do you guys have any events coming up that you want to uh, help promote? In the next, see, in the next, I have no idea when this is going to be. We're going to be
1: at ComoriCon at, at the end of the month. We're going to be at is the last
2: weekend of October. Uh, Woodstock is the following weekend, November 4th, Saturday. Woodstock is a popular literary festival in Portland.
0: Is that going and, on, uh, is that the convention center or at double tree
2: No, this year it is the art museum and a number oh, of Oh, yeah, because the, they changed the locations. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. took some years off. I feel like they were at the convention center a couple years in a row, and we were at all those, and they took a year off. Came back, maybe took another year off. I don't know. We were not involved, but this year we're going to have a booth. This is going um, to be
1: November some. Uh, they always have a pretty decent uh, graphic novel comic artist representation. Andrew, um, I'm bad at pronouncing names. Nielsen, Nielsen, who does uh, Big Questions? The guy who did Big Questions. Oh, Anders Nielsen. Anders Nielsen. Okay. He just moved here to Portland. He's going to be one of oh, the Oh, I didn't know that. Excellent. And, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: they've uh, – Wordstock has always done a great job of promoting comics, and they've had kids' areas. They promote younger reader stuff.
1: He's going to be – he's doing a signing at uh, – I just saw it at Floating World, like, I think this later this month, too, for his new book from Drawn and Quarterly. Oh,
2: that's cool. cool. And uh, uh, for any parents, uh, the Hilda books, speaking of foreign language books that are uh, translated, uh, Luke Pearson is the artist and writer of the Hilda Folk. Hilda and the Stone Giant, Hilda and the Troll, Hilda and the Midnight Giant. No, Hilda and the Stone Forest. I'm missing, I'm mixing up the names. Because Bird Parade? Bird Parade, Hilda and the Bird Parade. Mm. Uh, they're just fantastic stories about a young girl who lives in a valley with her mom. And there are supernatural events. They're uh, living rocks, monsters, creatures. Giants and trolls. It's really a fantastic, imaginative, all-ages adventure. His work is fantastic.
1: Uh, and highly recommended Raina Telgemeier's new book ghost just came out which yeah new right. york times bestseller Raina Telgemeier started Everybody out doing, doing uh, mini comics wow yeah that yeah was... her work
2: is fantastic sells great to kids and of course amulet and bone are two evergreen titles that uh, all ages readers love unconditionally every kid that comes in who uh, is exposed to amulet or bone so is, is familiar with it they're in every school library every regular library Great, more popular than the Hulk and Spider Man in some circles.
0: Excellent. Where can folks? Well, y- your your main, your shop is up at the corner of what Northeast Sandy and Fifty Third. Fifty Third. Work. If uh, folks want to get in touch with you over the internet, how can they reach you over the uh, the intranets?
2: If at all, just well, we don't really like to use Facebook as a uh, communication device. Email and phone calls are still the best way. Or just to Communicate by. with us. Just come in and
0: talk to us. Okay, there you go.
2: <laughs> but if you're across the country or across the world, you can send us an email or call during business hours, and we're happy to discuss any concerns or questions you might have. We're happy to make recommendations. We will do um, limited uh, sales online or over the phone. We don't do online sales, actually. I should uh, counter that. If you call and want to make a sale of a if a we have something item
1: that you're looking for
2: and you can't find somewhere else we don't have our uh,
1: stock listed online we'll work does, with so you would have to ask us but yeah us. we
2: don't do we don't do very much online we don't do mail order
0: um, what okay, what's the best uh like say like, you know contact point or email address
1: cosmic monkey comics at earthlink.net wow an earthlink address i yes. haven't yeah, that in a while uh,
2: it's a late 90s we tried world. to get an
1: AOL one but they're all used up
2: we did have a Yahoo.com email address, but we canceled that one. Yeah, that's that's after safe. After some uh, problems with yeah. the, that's yeah spamming.
0: The, yeah, the uh, yeah the, the in fact that has recently gotten in the news again of uh, Snowden and other people saying yeah completely you know whatever you got cancel your email your uh, Yahoo account because just to be safe. Oh, uh, no, that's too bad. I used to get Yahoo Life magazine. Wow, delivered to my house in the mail.
1: I used to have a poster of Yahoo Serious. On my my wall. And if
2: anyone's working on a Yahoo series (laughs) comic, we would love to help you work on that.
1: He's out there somewhere. Because that's
0: not a knife. Oh, my God. That was deliberate. All right. Once again, uh, wrapping this up, uh, I've been your host, Jeremy. Um, Again, contact points for me is giving the mic on Twitter or giving the mic at gmail.com. Uh, like subscribe comment review yada yada, yada. tell your uh, tell your friends to just check this out and uh, i want to thank my guests uh Adam and Andy for a rather prolonged recording experience here and uh
1: has it been 37 minutes?
0: Uh yes. I'm 39,
2: but uh it's fine. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for having us. This has been a joy.
0: Yeah, very much so. And i want to just thank you everybody and um God only knows when this is going to get posted, but um yeah all right thank you very much
1: um thank you jeremy yeah
0: thank you very much and uh, th- yeah thank you guys for uh for your time this is this has been a hoot all right on behalf of everyone here at the arsenic basement studio apartment studios um goodbye and good night
1: and we're out in the sequel Fantastic. the sequel you may not remember this they actually did find out that was a knife and he was wrong He's like, yeah, oh, I guess it was a sequel. knife. Oh, I was wrong in that first They didn't me. do a sequel. There was Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, yeah, there was Crocodile Dundee two. There it it was a... Will, oh, Crocodile. It will go shit! Crocodile Dundee three. Yeah, there was a goddamn third. There was a third. Uh,
0: there was yeah. a, oh, there was a sequel? third? I didn't know yes, that. Yes, there was a third. Set like it was like ten to twelve years later.
1: Well, there was a whole other movie he did. Yes. Called. Uh, is Paul Hogan still alive? I yes. guess. Oh, he is. Oh, I thought he got. But he moved to New Zealand. Or am I getting him confused with the Crocodile Hunter? No, crocodile <laughs> <it out>, <laughs>
0: when senior, No, uh, I'm not even going to finish that. No, no, no,
2: no. Don't listen to him.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. And all this conversation happening after the mics are turned off. Jesus.
2: <laughs> oh man, that was the gold. No. Oh, that was fun.